California appoints $5 million for veterinary care to treat homeless people's pets. What do you think? This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the topics that is very tough for the entire planet is dealing with homelessness. And in fact, right now, many parts of the country, especially California, are having just near epidemic record-breaking amounts of people living on the streets. And there's a lot of reasons for it. But this week, we're going to talk about their pets and the care that they receive and an innovative funding mechanism that's just been enacted in California. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. Well, Becky, you probably saw the stories. We were sharing it back and forth, but about a week ago, in fact, July 1st, it became official law in California. California has allocated $5 million in grants to fund veterinary and other pet care for the pets of homeless people. And of course, the proponents of this bill and this funding proposition say, look, there's a lot of people that are living on the streets that could benefit from having a pet, whether they're dealing with substance abuse, mental illness, having that pet could be a real asset in their recovery. But more importantly, when they need an emergency bed, some of these facilities that provide care for homeless individuals in California they can't take their pet in there. They just don't have the resources. And so some of this funding would go to help with that. Becky, what say thee about this? <sighs> I've got mixed feelings on this. You know, number one, I have to say, I have not experienced um, housing insecurity in this way in that I've had to try to make these decisions and, and deal with this life. So I'm, I'm coming at it from a very uninformed and, and unexperienced perspective. It, it truly is an outsider. Um, I think that there's a huge housing insecurity issue in California that, I, as far as I've read about, that is quite expansive. And, and part of me is very glad to see pets included. Um, yeah, but there's this other part of me <laughs> that's like $5 million is, is a lot of money. And I guess maybe is this article missing the information to tell us, you know, what are the, what does that compare to the numbers that they invest in humans, I guess? That's a great point. And of course, it, it's paltry in comparison. Uh, as you know, Becky, I am you know the chief veterinary officer for Wild Earth, so I'm in San Francisco quite a bit. And I can tell you firsthand that homelessness is an increasing issue in San Francisco. Even in the past two years since I've been making regular treks to the West Coast, I've seen it just balloon out of, out of uh, really just, it's kind of mind-blowing. You, you wouldn't believe the tent cities that are setting up all over, you know, under underpasses, on the sides of roads and parks and things like that. In fact, San Francisco estimates that at least 8,000 people are currently living on the streets right now. And so what they're doing is they're saying, look, homelessness, uh, Governor Newsom has said this is going to be combating homelessness helping people that are homeless get into a home or a more stable housing situation, as you state, um, that's going to be a priority for California because he knows, like we know, that 8,000 people living on the streets in San Francisco isn't good for anything. And a lot of these people do need help, especially mental health. You know, he's saying, how can we do this? And so, Becky, I agree. The devil is a bit in the details because, you know, as the bill certainly, you know, is, is written, you know, this veterinary care could be spun a lot of ways. Now, the first thing I want to say is you're probably listening today and you're going, well, that doesn't sound fair. It sounds like if you're homeless, you get like free veterinary care. So Becky, maybe take on that angle. 
Right. I, I mean, I think it's important to have an idea of what this is really in, in ca- encasing. Is it is this really a matter of providing food and sheltering for animals in emergency situations? Is it is it providing vaccines? Is it supporting organizations that support street care? There's a lot of different aspects of the ways that this funding can go. And I think one of the one of the more important things that occurred to me in our conversation when we were talking about this is it's like I said we're not talking about you know fifteen hundred dollar English bulldog puppies here you know right. we're talking about dogs that are probably also street dogs that are teamed up with folks right. who are living on the streets and and they are just looking out for each other in a very beneficial emotional and physical way so um, supporting these relationships and so I mean these dogs are going to have to be helped and taken care of one way or another let's be clear they're on the streets we're not increasing the pet population in providing brand new puppies and, right. and store-bought dogs for folks. Yeah? Right, right. I, I totally agree with you. And and I like I do like initiatives like this. And for a couple of reasons, I think they're positive for the profession. Number one, Becky, just to clarify, as I understood this law in California, it's only to provide veterinary care and other services in homeless shelters. So you can't just like show up at your local vet clinic and go, yo, I don't have a home. Can I get some free vet care? So you've got to like take yourself to a homeless shelter and there's a, a, a system you know, to verify that you actually are in need of those services and so forth. So I, I do think that what I think is positive about this is it shows the reflection of society saying, you know what? This is important and it's important enough in California for us to put five million additional dollars specifically earmarked for veterinary care and homeless shelters for this. So that's why I think this is a good discussion to have, because, you know, again, getting past all of the problems and perils of being homeless. And there's a lot of reasons. And like you said, it just costs so much in California that, you know, wow, a lot of people are are on the streets. But the fact that pets have now transcended in importance to society to where we're saying, you know what, maybe our budget should include some type of care for them. I think that's positive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it it is a matter. I think also when we look at it, it creates a cultural vision about the importance of pets, the the fact that these are absolutely important members of our society and that it is important to support the human animal bond and and also that people wherever they live are humans. And so it doesn't make them any any less um, in need or any less, um, you know, in need. I guess it's just hard for right. me to put into words, but it's just a matter of like these people living on, on the streets and people living in shelters and whatever, they're people. And that's what it starts with is people. And so we have to support them and these relationships. And um, honestly, I'm a, I'm a lot bigger fan of street dogs who are kind of happy living on the street teaming up with somebody so they get that human animal bond than them necessarily being caught. We know it's an issue. These guys get caught, trapped and put in shelters where if it's a kill shelter, well, their life has ended. And and we see cities that have, you know, instituted initiatives where they spay, neuter, vaccinate dogs and turn them back out like they do cats because ending their life might necessarily be the answer. So I kind of feel like this is solving a couple problems. Well, and, and the biggest problem it's trying to solve, and I just want to be very clear that when you put public funding, taxpayer dollars behind initiatives, it, there needs to be a benefit. The benefit here is trying to get people off the streets, to get them in gainful employment, to make them responsible contributors to society. So what they're trying to do is say, look, we get it. Pets actually may benefit therapeutically these people who are struggling with a variety of issues, whether again, we mentioned substance abuse, mental illness, whatever it may be. If we can do anything 
to get them off the streets, that is a positive for society. And Becky, just just for your reference, there was a, a shelter um, that was built in California, I guess, the past couple of years. It cost more than $5 million in city and private funds to actually run that shelter per year. And they estimated that they were spending about $30,000 per year to permanently house someone in this homeless shelter and about $18,000 per year average that they put them into what they call temporary housing. So this gets very expensive quickly. And the goal here should be to, okay, can we help you get stable, right? Can we help you get employed, get, give you a skill, give you education, get, get you off drugs or whatever it may be, and then get you back into contributing to society. And again, as I'll say over and over again, pets, can help you get back. Pets can help you become stable. Pets enhance our lives in ways that we don't often give them credit for. And right here is an example of a way that I kind of didn't appreciate fully till this thing became law. Oh, yeah. I think we hear all the time of people who have been in very depressive or sad situations that have said, you know, my pet kept me around in this world. There's a lot of people who say, you know, there are days I wouldn't get out of bed except my pet needs to be fed. I mean, we we know that right. they there's motivation. And sometimes we truly we look at our pets and just say, I want to give my pet a better life. I want to I want to give them a backyard or whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree that it, it's it's a matter of using the funds for these initiatives in a way that is going to to make the the most benefit, it is extremely expensive. Um, I mean, everything's expensive in California. We know that, and <laughs> and so right. you know, why would it be any less to take care? Of? In fact, it sounds like the most affordable option. And in in a I wonder too how easy it will be long term to sort of navigate this situation when we think about how I mean, and I don't I don't want to impose my beliefs here, but I, I guess um, it it seems almost glamorized to be outside of the confines of a traditional structure anymore. Um, we see a lot of people who have moved from, you know, brick and mortar housing to um, tiny houses. And then we started to see shipping containers and we've started to see little pod houses. And not this is a brand new concept, but becoming more and more trendy to be more and more off the traditional housing, you know, idea and there are endless videos on YouTube and the internet on, you know, how to live in your car, how to live in a tent, and, and really how to um, willingly enter a, a life of of houselessness and to, to kind of be comfortable and okay with that and utilize the public access um, that we have to get your needs taken care of. Yeah, and yeah. so so I wonder how hard this is going to be to navigate as this becomes actually not a forced option, but a willing option for a lot of people. Well, Becky, what I like what you said about there is that what the way I see what you said was these are now more solutions than the traditional, you know, white picket fence and brick house. So now you're saying, look, there's a lot of people that currently, you know, don't have a regular home, but maybe they could live in some type of tiny house or something. Yeah. I don't know, but I like where you're going with this, but I do want to spin this uh, slightly because one of the things that kept coming up during the debates of this California law was that the fact that many of the shelters said, look, there are a lot of people out there on the streets that we would like to get them in our system. We'd like for them to come into our homeless shelter, start to get them you know, cleaned up, to, to get them the mental health need, health care they need, so forth. But they will not leave their pet behind. And so since our shelter can't provide care or take in their their dog or cat, you know, they're just they're just staying on the streets. So that's where I think this really has tremendous potential. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we think about the the way that we have, I mean, there are organizations out there, I think about like Street Dog Coalition, and, and they're right. an amazing organization who are probably extremely overwhelmed. There are veterinarians in um, this, these areas who are already kind of trying to do this type of work the best that they can. So I wonder if these types of initiatives can actually feed into to supporting the channels of, of people um, that are already out there trying to do this work. And then, like you said, bridge that gap. And so that we can get more people in both systems. Can we get more pets that are on the street in the veterinary system? Can we get more people that are in shelters in the sheltering system? And again, building health and quality of life for both long term. And again, the highlight here is it's for veterinary care. That's a big win for the profession, in my opinion. Becky, let's spin it, though, to a slightly adjacent problem, and that is like domestic abuse. I mean, a lot of times, especially women who are in abusive relationships, are trying to get out of that environment. And so they turn to shelters, you know, domestic uh, violence shelters and so forth, and then they run into a brick wall. Can't bring your pets in here. You've got two dogs. We only allow one, whatever those situations are, which then leads them back into the dangerous environment. What do you think about, I mean, shouldn't we be extending these types of initiatives maybe to to that setting as well? Yeah, it, it's something that I think, again, when we talk about this initiative in California, it brings up the idea of in what ways can we and do we need to support each member of society that is in need, and that includes our pets. And so when we talk about you know, a displaced community or a community without houseless, it, it expands out to these other groups of individuals. And, and like we said, women or even men who are victims of, of domestic domestic violence are studies um, that show there is um, either a complete lack of leaving or a delay in leaving abusive situations when pets are involved because they're either afraid that if they leave the pet behind, they'll be hurt or they have nowhere to go if they take them because, again, shelters don't necessarily take pets. In our area, um, at least I know in New Hanover County, their local domestic shelter works with a veterinary clinic in town that houses any pets that need to be placed in the meantime and will will provide free boarding. I wonder what other programs are going on in society like this and, again, how movements like they're doing in California will help in these types of situations. Yes, and if, you really, if you're listening today and you want to learn how to make change in society, sadly, it still leads back to rules and regulations and laws, you know, because yeah. if you really want to affect big change, like, like I think that California has just clearly said that veterinary medicine, veterinary care of pets is really important. Like that, I think that's what that $5 million actually is saying to me. And I think it says it to society. Hey, vets, you know, we should be paying them just like we pay for the pediatricians who help children, I'm sure, in these homeless settings. But I, I like that. I think we need to now as a society extend further. Now, Becky, sort of as we, we, near near the end of this this podcast, I do want to talk about a bigger picture. And that is, okay, this is California. That's the left coast. You know, everybody, somebody's going to say that's the wrong coast. That's just liberal land. I get all that. But what does this actually mean for the bigger picture, the entire nation? You know, should this be something that we're actually almost talking about at a federal level? Again, states' rights and all that aside, just is this something that Americans should start to say, you know what, there is value to veterinary medicine in a homeless setting, in a domestic shelter setting, in any type of setting where people are in crisis, should American taxpayers start to say, you know, how are we handling the veterinary end of this? You know, I guess without getting really philosophical and, and, and too deep, I think what we have to do is get back to our roots and think about what is it we as a nation find important and what do we 
what do we believe when we believe in an American dream? And, and how do we believe that we should be helping our, our fellow American citizens or just individuals that are, are here in our country? And, you know, that's a really far divided, touchy topic right now. There's a whole lot of, um, I worked for mine, you get yours out there. But there is this incredible and beautiful movement, I think, that is happening and, and that is up and coming of awareness of the needs of the individuals around us and, and how that actually supports our own individual needs and how beneficial it can be to serve other individuals. And <laughs> Becky, um, I love that you said that. You do realize that my main campaign slogan went like this. There are two types of successful people in this world. I've said this in veterinary lectures and did in politics. There are those that say, I got mine, you get yours. And there are those that say, I got mine, let me help you get yours. <laughs> and so yeah, you just kind of yeah. articulate it. Uh, and, and you're yeah. right, as a society, and look, we're not here trying to get political or even philosophical. We're just trying to say, you know, what what can we as a profession do to make sure that we are propelling our profession our services into the spotlight whenever possible. I mean, that's really kind of the purpose of this podcast, I guess, Becky, is to remind our colleagues and brethren uh, and sisters or whatever we we should say, you know, hey, we're awesome and we're important and we have a voice. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'll break it down in, in a way. Yes, absolutely. But I, I think... What, another thing that we have to think about is the fact of the matter is, is that we all got here because we really want to help pets. We really want to help animals. And when, you know, we think about the opportunities we, we hopefully get as veterinary professionals to do things that serve, whether it's spay neuter campaigns or vaccine campaigns or, you know, whatever, even when we are individually um, paying for a client's bill or going out of our way for a client, we do it because we love animals. And it doesn't matter who those animals belong to and what their life is. We are trying to provide better for them. And I think sometimes just by nature, because life happens and we get busy and we're in clinics and we're trying to prove points and we do get hardened. And sometimes I think it gets put to the back of our mind. And when we get an opportunity to do something really fulfilling, I think it fills that veterinary cup and it reminds you why you got here in the first place. And so things like this and opportunities like this and remembering we're really here to help animals. I think it just like kind of breaks down that hardened section that we get, those calluses we get that are, are kind of natural in working with society. Yeah. And, you know, also just to, to, to get a little philosophical, I guess, you know, dogs and cats didn't ask to be domesticated. We did that for them. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we've kind of now brought them into a state yeah. of dependency where right. they can't survive on their own. And so you then put them in a crowded urban environment. And yeah, you know, we kind of probably have some responsibilities there. And your answers are either to try to take care of them or to kill them. And, you know, I'm going to let you guys, our listeners, kind of take that one on yourself. But Becky, you know, as, as, as we do wind down today, um, it's really I just, I'm overjoyed because the fact that we're able to have this conversation, the fact that there's a state that's putting $5 million behind veterinary care for homeless pets, homeless shelters, you know, that's a big, it really makes me happy because at the end of the day, it tells me that in my 27 years or so as a veterinary practitioner, I've seen it go from, uh, it's just a luxury, guys. If you can't afford to have a pet, just you're on your own, to suddenly going, wait a second, what about these people in desperate need on the street? You know, what about their pets? Can that help them? And somebody has concluded that, yes, it can help them, and we need to get them all the help they can need and all the, all the, all the help that they deserve, and we are going to do whatever it takes, and that includes spending big bucks. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's exactly right. And like you said, I hope it's an example for other states. And like you said, maybe even on the federal level for us to start to look at how we can start to carve this out in a way that seems fair. Um, I think that there are a lot of nuances here. This is not going to be an easy um, water to navigate by any any means. But the fact that the conversation is even happening, you know, thank you, California. You know, as always, thank you, California. Getting back to, getting back to, to student debt. I mean, this is like one of those opportunities to relieve student debt. So perhaps you go yeah. into a, a government program and you say, look, you know, I will spend the first five years of, of my professional life, you know, actually working in these shelters. I mean, like, I think there's so many ways to spin it up. And, and I'd really like to hear our listeners' uh, viewpoints on that. I mean, you know, what would, would you be interested if there was some kind of debt relief program that said, look, you know, we need for you to go spend, you know, two years in San Francisco and two years in Arizona or wherever, right? But I think there's a lot of opportunities here that maybe we haven't even discussed, but I think they're potentials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, I think, again, they're going to help us get back to the root of why we're doing this and help break up some of that just money driven client satisfaction, social media success mindset that we've gotten into. <laughs> well, Becky, I, again, and we are winding down. I apologize, but I do want to ask you one other quick thing. Where do you think veterinary technicians should lie in this remuneration scheme or, or program? Because, you know, like like right now it says veterinary care, but there seems to me a lot of opportunities to provide a lot of services at a lower cost by utilizing registered veterinary technicians. You want to weigh in on that at all? I mean, like every day all across the country. <laughs> <laughs> but right, this is another way. For, yeah. I, I think if I yeah. am NAFTA and I'm hearing stories like this and I'm listening to podcasts like this, I'm going to say, wait a second, who's talking with these legislatures, right? How do, how do we get the veterinary technician voice in there? Now, I will tell you, half of our audience is going, wait, I'm a vet. I'm just now welcome to the party and you're going to kick me out. No, we're not. We just think that there's a different skill set and application and utility. And, and I don't know, Becky, am I, am I there or not? Yeah, no, it's not about kicking anybody out. The The fact of the matter is, and what you'll always hear me argue, is is veterinary is an entire set, set of people. It is it right. is not exclusively veterinarians. And so whenever we're talking about any movement in the veterinary industry, we need to include technicians. The problem is, is that frequently they're overlooked and they're forgotten. And so, it, you know, it's platforms like this. And, you know, it is the half of our listeners that are veterinarians hearing that on a regular basis saying, oh, wait, that's right. They're not, again, as I always say, a consolation prize. We are our own profession with our own contributions and, and visions within the industry. And in these types of, of movements, you know, you're talking about a group of people who are incredibly resourceful, economical, um, who are very oftentimes street smart and <laughs> right. um, conscientious and cognizant of how to communicate and work with clients in such a better way than veterinary professionals and, and veterinarians. And that's not, you know, it's that's that's not... Yeah. Throwing shade, it's just what we do, right? It's how we've developed our skills. And so we have a lot to contribute here. I agree. No shade taken or, yeah. or found. Uh, you know who would be a great person to, to, if you're listening today, Liz Houston is probably one of our uh, favorite people in California. And uh, I'd love to know what she thinks about this as well. If you think about it, Becky, we've California has been on this podcast quite a bit over the past two and a half years. I mean, we've just seen, you know, there's been uh, a change in how they do the uh, credentialing, right? They 
They took out the state exam, which seems like just more of a bureaucratic, you know, paperwork thing, but actually it was a big move on their behalf. We've seen unionization efforts coming out of there. We've seen opposition to the veterinary nurse initiative kind of originating on California. And now this, I mean, seems like there's a lot of, we should be paying a lot of attention to California in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they're absolutely, they're a big state. There's a lot of veterinary professionals out there. Um, CARVTA, the California Vet Tech Association, is absolutely an incredible um, organized association that I think is doing a lot of work in, in communicating and being involved in legislation. My thing is, is that, you know, things like this hit the floor and, and they're really hard. A lot of times we don't even know about them. And there are, you know, unless you're following legislation or you have, um, you know, support in legislative systems, such as lobbyists, a lot of times you're not going to hear back about these types of things. They get written into laws uh, in, in ways that, move really quickly. So um, it's important to keep your eye on all of this. And, and again, as technicians, I just encourage my profession to keep on their toes about all this. I'm sure Miss Liz is on top of it. I'm sure Carfta <laughs> is on top of it. And, um, I, you know, I hope they do get an opportunity to include their voice. The good news is, is what I know is the voices out there are, are have, have never been unwilling to speak up and to uh, <laughs> make sure that they know veterinary technicians need to be included. And I'm grateful for that. Oh, I love this discussion. Well, you've heard what we have to say about this. We'd love to hear what you say about it. I mean, did you even know this was a law? Did you even know this was a thing that had happened? Again, we want to keep you updated and abreast on the things that we think are interesting and potentially impactful, and we want to get your opinion. So reach out to us on social media. I mean, Facebook tends to be very popular with a lot of our colleagues. Uh, Veterinary Viewfinder on Facebook. Of course, Instagram is where I put a lot of stuff. That's at Vet- Veterinary Viewfinder. And then, of course, on Twitter, you can follow us at Vet Viewfinder. You can find us on all of the things. And when you're there, make sure you click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. And give us a review. It's really, really important in this day and age to actually go to iTunes and just click on four or five stars. It means so much. It's actually how the big artificial intelligence world works. And without those stars, they kind of go, eh, whatever. (laughs) Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.